Welcome to Preschool and Beyond, a podcast where we tackle some of the most common and the most challenging issues facing preschool-age children and their families. Recording from Discovery Child Development Center is your host, Mike DeLott. Hi, and welcome to Episode 8, Finding the Right Elementary School. The past two decades, we have seen tremendous growth in the elementary school options available to parents. While the number of choices greatly varies across states and different communities, the decision-making process of enrolling a child in kindergarten has become a lot more complicated for many families. Since we opened Discovery Child Development Center in 2010, my co-director and spouse, Dr. Alejandra Levis-Stalat, has conducted a parent workshop on navigating the local elementary school system and is always our most popular workshop of the year. She joins us today to discuss the process of selecting an elementary school for your child. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Thank you for having me. So many parents, when it's their first time going through this process, don't realize how many choices there are out there. What sort of options do parents have today? So there are public school options and private school options. Here in Wake County, our public school options are the neighborhood public school, which is called the Bay School, and you are designated to the school based on your address. Um, And it's typically between less than a mile to up to three or five miles distant from your house. There's also a magnet school option that is run by the school district, and they have a little bit of extra funding to run a specialized program. Sometimes it can be STEM, it could be Montessori, it can be a leadership school, or a gifted and talented school here in our local district. Um, And they have created these specialized programs to draw in, or as a magnet, draw in families from all over the district to kind of create more diversity in some schools. And the last public school option is charter school, which is independent from your local school district, but they are run by the state. And all those three options are free for parents. In the private school route, you can do a parochial private school or just a traditional private school. So I think there is often confusion with magnet and charter. So could you just kind of spell out those differences between the two of them? Sure. So here in North Carolina, the magnet schools are run by the district. So you would have to apply through your local school district for that magnet school. And it's usually done in a lottery base. Charter schools are also, you also apply by a lottery Um, But they're run, they're independent from the school district and they're run by the state. So here in North Carolina, regardless of which school district or county you live in, you can apply to any charter school in North Carolina. Um, But charter schools are, even though they're run independent from the district, they can be run by different entities. So sometimes they're run by nonprofits, sometimes they're run by individual groups of people, and sometimes they are run by um, for-profit organizations. So charter schools, even though they're run by the state, can be managed by different groups of people. So when parents are determining the right school for their child and whether or not it's a good fit, what are some factors they should think about? I think the most important factor, especially if you're moving away from your base or neighborhood school, is philosophy. So you have to think as a parent, how do I believe children learn best? And then try to find a school that matches with that belief. Schools vary in their philosophy and how they feel that children learn best. So, for example, there are some schools that follow a more direct instruction approach. And for a parent, that would look like students sitting in rows, a teacher being in the front of the classroom, kind of giving the curriculum to the students. Everyone's kind of on the same page doing the same work. Um, Then you kind of have a traditional model 
um, a little bit of direct instruction, but you would see group work or uh, smaller group work, individual group work, um, and kind of what you sometimes think about in a traditional school, and then it's just done in a private way, maybe smaller class size. And then you have more progressive schools, such as a Montessori or a Waldorf or a project-based school. So these philosophies do defer greatly, and if you feel like your child wouldn't do well sitting in a row listening to a teacher all day, then perhaps a direct instruction school wouldn't be the best fit. Um, If you believe your child would do better in a more individualized learning environment, then perhaps a Montessori or maybe a project-based school would be a better fit for your child. Um, The other things you should think about are support staff. So if your child might require an IEP or is gifted and talented or might need some extra social or emotional support, um, do, does that school have that staff to support your child through this? Um, and all charter schools and public schools must meet the needs of your children, but not all private schools need to do that. So if you're going to a small private school, they might be more limited in how they can help your child. Other things to think about are class size. Um, that can vary greatly. Some schools might have 12 to 14 kids in a kindergarten, up to 22, 24 students in kindergarten. And with, along with class sizes, how many teachers are in a class? So maybe it's one teacher for 12 students or two teachers for 24 or sometimes one teacher for 24. So you have to think about how would my child best be supported in their learning um, and what kind of class size and how much support they have through teachers. Other things to think about are um, does the school offer any specials or electives or after-school clubs that would be of interest to your child, like some schools start offering foreign language in kindergarten. Other schools start offering it in third grade. Um, Some schools might offer band or a musical instrument elective at younger ages, and some have that starting in middle school. Um, And lastly is the diversity. You know, what is, are you looking for that? What kind of um, community are you looking for in a school and where you would feel comfortable being? Yeah, and I think those are really great things to Think about when you're starting this process because a school may be, have a great reputation, but it's not necessarily a great school for your child. So you really want to make sure that's the right fit. Um, also, you want to make sure it's the right fit for your family. So when thinking about the impact on the whole family, what are some things you want to think about? Well, I think um, in taking all those things into consideration, Family considerations are, you know, how far is the school from your house? Is it most uh, public schools or some public schools offer bus service? So if you pick your neighborhood-based school, you'll have a bus pick you up and take you to school. Most charter schools do not have bus service. So are you driving 20 and 30 minutes to get to this charter school? And the same with magnets. Um, They might provide bus service, but your child might have to ride a 30-minute bus ride. Also, is this school going to be a good fit for all of your children? If they're close in age, one of the benefits is that they are going to the same elementary school or the same middle school. Um, But if that school isn't a good fit for both your children, how are you going to feel about going to two different schools, two different parent-teacher nights, two different activities? That can be a lot for a family. So those are some of the things that I would consider. Also, one other thing to think about with commuting to a school that's a little further from your house you also have to think about where that school is drawing students from. So if most of the other students live close to that school, chances are if you want to do play dates or let's say your child wants to join a soccer team or Girl Scouts, you know, they may want to be with their classmates and that is going to require that you make that drive maybe multiple times a day.
So I know one thing you always recommend is touring schools. Most schools will offer tours uh, during the year. So when you do take a tour, what are some good questions to ask? Well, I think the number one question is the philosophy and curriculum questions. And you'll get a lot of that from their website. But you can see what that looks like in action. Some schools might say they're progressive or child-centered, but when you go into the school, you're seeing a lot of teachers talking to kids a lot or vice versa. So you want to get those curriculum questions. Is it hands-on learning? Is it direct instruction? And kind of see that in action. Um, Other questions you can have if it's a private school is what is your accreditation? Um, Is there another body or entity kind of following up and making sure that they're doing things in a certain way or in the right way? What are the teacher qualifications? Some private schools don't require um, credentials. Some charter schools uh, require a less percentage of teachers having, a smaller percentage of teachers having certain credentials than other public schools. And if that's something that's important to you, that's something you would like to ask, you should ask at a tour. Um, What is their homework policy? Are they going to have nightly homework, weekly homework? You know, what is the average time spent on homework? Um, Schools do vary on this policy, and it can make a big difference in a family's life. Um, Other things are how do you differentiate instruction for children? So if you have an advanced learner or you have a student that's struggling in a certain area, how are they going to help that student out? Um, Other questions you can ask, too, is the special services they provide for students or the after-school clubs or activities that a child can partake there. Um, Some charter schools have parent volunteer requirements or private schools do. So what are their requirements or what is that parental involvement look like or the PTA? Um, And if you're touring a private school, you should also consider is what are your tuition fees? Um, A lot of private schools have additional fees or semester fees or book fees. So you want to definitely make sure you know what's that total amount of money that you're expected to pay. And one thing you always pay close attention to when you're on school tours is taking a look at that work that's displayed in the hallway. Uh, what sort of things do you look for? Well, I would definitely make sure that the work is looks relevant and recent. It hasn't been up there half the year. Um, I also look for, does the work allow for students to be creative? Is it kind of student-centered or is it teacher-driven, a little overly structured Um, Or is it allowing kids to write, be creative, or draw? Um, It's allowing for that individuality. I think that's important, especially for students to be able to express themselves. And a school that allows that or displays that in their hallway is probably a good indication of a quality school. Um, Also, just the quality of work. Is this, you know, if you're looking at the kindergarten work as a parent, is that the kind of work you want your child to bring home? Um, Because you definitely, if you're going outside that public or your neighborhood school, you definitely want to make sure that you have a a better fit or a good fit. Right. And I think also paying close attention, not just to the kindergarten, to look at the upper grades, because, you know, one one day your child's also going to be in third and fourth grade. And what are they doing at those grades, too? Absolutely. So usually they'll take you into a kindergarten or hopefully. I know it's hard to get the ideal classroom, but what would an ideal kindergarten room look like to you? Well, I think, number one, you want to have um, students to be able to pick from many different centers during their center time or work time. Um, Centers that you could look out for science, um, a building center with a lot of different blocks or things to build with, uh, mag formers, connects, um, a writing center, kind of an art, a creative space where they can create and use their uh, creativity uh, in 
also their individuality, uh, a library book nook um, with a lot of different types of books to read, not just fiction, but also nonfiction books. Um, so you definitely want to have that center look. Beyond looking at centers, you also want to see the tables. Um, are they sitting at individual tables or are they kind of group tables where kids can work collaboratively or sit together and socialize. You know, a big part of kindergarten is socialization, learning how to be part of that group. So how is that room set up and is it allowing kids to build those skills? Um, You also want to have space for students to move around and explore, um, not too restrictive of a space, a kindergarten classroom that would allow for child creativity. Um, You also want to look at the work on the wall. Um, Is it relevant to what they're learning? Is it created mostly by students or are they mostly pre-made posters that they were just put up at the beginning of the year and kind of been sitting there or up the whole year? Um, Also, you know, is there a huge emphasis on the board versus more um, more the kind of the teacher is the center of attention, kind of teaching to the whole group? I think ideally you should have a classroom where, um, The emphasis is on working with others, working with materials, learning from your peers, and also your teacher. So not having that huge emphasis on the board or the front of the room. So another thing you want to pay close attention to is the school leadership, the principal, if there's an assistant principal. What are some qualities you want to look for in a leader? Well, um, I can definitely have taught at schools with great leadership and I've taught at schools with weak leadership, and it definitely makes a difference. Um, I always tell parents, do you want to be at the school where the, you know, all the teachers are so unhappy that they're spending all their free time or in the teacher resource room or in the break room talking about what a bad principal is? Or do you want to be at a school where they're using their time to talk about their new project, something exciting they're doing in their classroom? And a bad principal or a toxic environment can make that different. You definitely want to have a principal that's creating a positive school community where teachers, parents, and student voices are heard and respected. Along with that is you want a good communicator. If there's a new policy or what are the current policies, he's able to communicate these, explain why they're being in place. Um, He's also out there communicating with families. He's out greeting students on campus, at the carpool line, you know, students um, that know who their principal is and they respect him. I, I find it wary when all students are afraid of the principal. That's obviously they're not building a good relationship with the students. Um, And they also want um, a good leader. Um, you know, it's great to hear, you know, be accessible to parents and hear parent feedback, but you also don't want a principal that's going to push over to parent pressure. You know, someone that's going to be a good leader and stay firm and strong with, you know, what that school believes in and their values and their policies. Uh, that visibility you mentioned earlier, and when I taught middle school, it was, I think, May, and the principal for the first time stepped foot in my classroom and probably the first time in the hallway, and all the kids said, who was that old man? Uh, they thought the assistant principal was the principal and they had no idea who he was. So that's not a good thing. Yeah, it's not a good sign of a good principal. And, you know, going back to your tour question, um, I've been on many tours of schools and I've had one principal give a tour. I've had principals who've seen a t- group of parents in the tour come over and greet us. And I had one principal who saw a group tour and turned their back and walked away. So right there on the tour, you can kind of start getting a sense of, what the principal's role is at the school and how they have built a relationship with the parents and teachers. So there's a lot more data available now for parents when making decisions. Um, It can be difficult to interpret that data, though. Um, So can you talk a little bit about what's available? Every district and state um, posts their test scores. 
Um, here in North Carolina, you have the North Carolina Report Card, um, thanks to No Child Left Behind. Um, but, you know, each um, not only are they posting their scores, but each school gets a grade based on the growth in test scores. So, you know, they've, they're not stagnant, but they're trying to move students forward. But I definitely wouldn't base my all my decision about the school I would send my child based on test scores. Um, you know, you also don't want to just take them as a whole, but, you know, take apart those test scores. And a lot of the district and state websites allow you to do this. But look at each subgroup. How are how is each subgroup doing? And if you belong to that sub one of those subgroups, definitely you want to kind of look at that data as it's taken apart. Another thing I find really um, helpful here in North Carolina is a North Carolina teaching conditions um, survey. Um, and here you can see survey results from teachers of how they feel, like how much time for planning they get or time for support, how long they've been at the school, what's the teacher turnover, do teachers work collaboratively, um, information on class size, communicating communication from the administration or professional development. And I would give that a lot of importance, a little bit sometimes more than the test scores is, you know, that gives you information about what's the atmosphere, what's the environment in the school, and do they value the things that I value? Um, other data that you can look for is just, you know, greatschools.com or the internet and see what the parent reviews are. Yes, you will always get one or two disgruntled parents. You know, you're always going to see one or two negative reviews maybe about a school. And I wouldn't focus on those. But as a whole, what type of reviews is the school school getting? And also just your neighborhood blogs, the bus stop, go talk to some parents at the bus stop. And that's also very valuable data because they're living it. They're there. They're in the school. And they can provide you with a lot of important information. Yeah, so I think sites like great schools can be a piece of the puzzle for you. But just because a school scores a 10 doesn't necessarily mean great things are happening, especially for your child. It may not be the best fit. Likewise, a five on grade schools could be the right choice for your child. Absolutely. And I think another thing to think about is, is this school teaching to the test? And that's why maybe kindergarten, first and second graders are scoring better than in other places. And if so, as a parent, you have to think about, is that the school environment I want my child to feel this uh, tremendous pressure to perform on these tests? So when you're looking at schools, one of the best ways to get information is to talk to other parents. So whether they're in your neighborhood or at the preschool your child's at, if you they have older children. So when you're talking to these parents, what are some questions you might want to ask? Um, well, if it's not the, well, even if it is a neighborhood school, I guess that I would ask, you know, would you enroll again? If you kind of had to do it over, would you pick this school? Um, and the typical questions of, you know, what are the things you like best or what are their strengths? And also what are the things that the school can work on? You know, what are the things that sometimes you feel grumpy about? And, you know, keeping in mind that not every, not, there's not one single school that's going to be perfect. Every school is going to have a couple drawbacks, you know, for, for a couple of reasons. And you just have to pick a school that has the strengths that you agree with the most. Um, other things you should think about is the curriculum and experience dependent on an individual teacher or is there consistency across the grade? So, you know, is this a school where you're really hoping to get that one teacher in third grade because she's the best teacher or the only good teacher? Yeah. You know, that can tell you, well, maybe that school's struggling a little bit if there's not that cohesiveness and consistency across teachers and grades. Um, also, have you ever had questions or an issue come up with your child at the school? And how did the school respond? Um, I think that tells a lot about the school and their administration and teachers.
Absolutely. There's always things that are going to come up, but it's how they handle that when there is an issue. So when parents seem really happy with their elementary schools, what are some common things that they cite for their satisfaction? Um, well, here in Wake County, we do tend to have um, larger public schools. Um, some schools can be up to a thousand students in an elementary school. So I know that when parents have chosen an option outside of that local public school, um, size is sometimes a big factor of their happiness. And they just feel that because it's a smaller school, they have a better ability to connect with other parents and their teachers and kind of they just feel that more family oriented type of environment. And they cite that as a big plus. Um, also, the curriculum, um, you know, maybe that they don't have to follow the Common Core. A lot of other parents seem frustrated about that. Um, but also that their ch- child feels challenged, a child's um, able to be creative, or a, ch- a child's getting the support they need. They need a kind of smaller environment. Um, sometimes also they mention like specials, uh, foreign languages are very are a huge plus for some parents, and also that STEM and technology specials. On the flip side of that, what are some common complaints you hear? Well, like I said, size, Yeah, (laughs) you know, so um, just these big, big, huge schools. And so they feel disconnected from the school or disconnected from the teachers. Um, Sometimes they say their child isn't challenged enough or the child seems bored, um, seems like a lot of wait time um, or a lot of homework and just seems like repetitive homework or busy work. Um, So something that they feel frustrated with. And a lot of parents here, it seems like they're frustrated also with core curriculum, the math. You know, so I don't understand it. Why are they making my child do all these things and learn this way? So that's a big point of frustration for parents. Right. And then also kind of what you talked about earlier, if they are having any sort of issues, is that administration responsive to them? Exactly. So now we are beginning the season when you can begin to tour schools here in Wake County. We have the Magnet School Fair coming up um, tomorrow. What time of year do parents usually start? applying and enrolling their children in kindergarten? Um, I would definitely start touring schools now from September through December. Um, Most schools have open houses, sometimes in January, and also their applications. And that varies from school to school. So my best advice would be to research the schools you want, see what their tour schedule is like. And here in this area, it seems like from October through January is that important time that you're touring schools, submitting applications. And, you know, some applications are easier. A charter school application might be very simple, but a private school application might require a school visit, a school visit to the preschool, um, recommendation letters. So you definitely want to have enough time to do those things. Great. And now that brings us to the final segment of our show, our show and tell. So what tip do you have for our parents this week? My tip of the week is to go tour the schools. Even if it's just your local neighborhood-based school, go tour it. Um, It'll help you get a better understanding of what's going to happen next year as your child starts kindergarten. But it'll also give you information. And if that's a school that uh, maybe isn't sitting right with you, you still have time to go tour magnet schools, charter options, and private options. Um, You definitely want to make an informed decision. But at the same time, this isn't a permanent decision. So if you go to kindergarten and it's just not feeling like the best fit, you can always change. Thanks so much for coming on our show today. Uh, you've given our listeners a lot to think about as they begin the process of selecting the right school for their child. Thank you for having me. We'll post links to what we talked about on our show page, discoverychilddevelopmentcenter.com slash podcast. 
Also, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Preschool and Beyond. And if you haven't already, please consider leaving a review in iTunes as it really helps listeners find our show. We'll see you next week.